Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Um, Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Let's start with some pretty cool news that just blew Twitter up a little while ago. It was one of those news items that pops up and a hundred people tweet the exact same thing at the exact same time. And it's future football scheduling news. Does not factor for Ole Miss or Mississippi State, but it is an SEC team. Alabama and Ohio State have announced a home and home that is going to be played in 2027 and 2028. So it's not like that's next year, but it's also not one of these things that's going to be played 14 years from now either. So, you know, a reasonable time frame. First game will be uh, in Ohio Stadium. Uh, at Ohio State in uh, 2027, and then a return trip to Tuscaloosa in 2028. And if you like college football, then you probably are on board with this because it's not Alabama and Ohio State are going to meet in Texas at Jerry's World, or they're going to play each other in, you know, Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta or some other neutral site. They're going to do a home and home. And we're seeing more and more of that. We're seeing a trend back to those games. you still got the kind of kickoff classic games, but more and more teams are scheduling these really fun intersectional home-and-homes. You guys on board with this? Without a I doubt. I can't be any more on board with it. I'm completely on board with it. And hopefully uh, the whole autonomous zone trend will still be happening, and in 2028 the, those two fan bases can get together and put a fence around themselves and do the rest of us a favor. Or you think they're going to like have Chaz or Chop in Columbus or Tuscaloosa? Whatever they want to call it, but just getting them away from the rest of us would be a good thing. But well, then, okay. Uh, no, so you I want love to knock this. on their fan bases. Hey, how about what do you think the secondary ticket market will look for those like for those two games? Woo. Get in price in the first game of the series in Columbus, Ohio, is over under four hundred and fifty dollars. My first thought was five hundred, so I'm going to go over. Yeah, I'm over. And that's to be sitting on the you know third row from the top of the stadium in the corner. Yeah. In credit to Nixon. There was some scheduling news, though, that that affected here in the state today, though. There was. I was going to get to that. Okay, okay, but say. I thought Alabama-Ohio State was kind of the marquee deal. Nixon deserves some credit. So does the program. I mean, it's all right. It's an okay matchup. All Looking right. forward to Coach, you know, Coach Billy Napier uh, leading his t- his Crimson Tide up to uh, to Columbus. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Why are you giving credit to Nick Saban, Borky? Even though he has rosters that are more talented than most everybody, so they can sustain this. Uh, he plays an SEC West schedule, and their future Power Five opponents. And of course, he's not going to coach against all of these. So they have Southern Cal this year, Miami and Atlanta next year, a home and home with Texas in 22 and 23. They go to Madison, Wisconsin in 24. Have two. Power 5 opponents in 25 with Wisconsin at home, and they go to Florida State. Same thing in 2026. They have Florida State at home, go to West Virginia. Then in the Ohio State years, they have West Virginia and Notre Dame. They have Notre Dame Mm. again. You've got Oklahoma on the future schedule. Alabama deserves a ton of credit because they could easily schedule four cakewalk games 
have an SEC schedule and just guarantee their dominance in college football, and yet here they are scheduling Wisconsin and Florida State in the same season. They deserve a ton of credit for putting their money where their mouth is because Saban talks all the time about expanded conference schedules and we need to put on better shows for the fans, and they're doing just that. They're more capable of doing that, that, but they're doing it. On the flip side of that coin, Ohio State is doing the same thing. Yep, these are two. Right. These are basically the two best programs in the country year in and year out. They go up there with Clemson, and 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 they're, you know they're they're finding these kind of games. Georgia's doing a better job of getting these kind of games as well too. So we talked about it for years. Like we want to see these matchups. We want to see them home and home. I mean, we're going to have to wait a few more years, but we're we're finally getting them. Yeah, yeah, and and getting more and more of them. And, you know, Borky, to your point about Alabama, not only has Alabama played these games, and and it's been in the form of kickoff classic games, and I'm kind of using that term loosely, the majority of the time over the last five to ten years, but they've won them all. Have they lost a single one of these games that they've played? Alabama hasn't lost a regular season game outside of LSU and Auburn. What? Since 2000 and when? 15. The Ole Miss, yeah. Non-conference games, though? I'll I'll try to look it up and find it. I don't think so, though. I I cannot remember the last regular season non-conference game Alabama would have lost. I mean, ULM? I I was going to say, have they they lost a non-conference regular season game since they lost to ULM? It's got to be that, right? I, I don't remember one since then regular season now obviously the postseason is a little bit different um but yeah i mean you know you had ohio state and texas play each other and they split that if i remember correctly didn't vince young and texas beat ohio state in columbus and then yes ohio state won in austin that i believe the following year i think that's right um no I, i i just i love it I absolutely love it. I think it's good for the sport. It's good for the game. It's good for fans. It's ULM. That's the last time Ohio, Alabama lost a non-conference regular season game. That's remarkable. So be thirteen seasons now. Yeah. And, and they're going to be DC favored team, in most basically. of these other games as well. Oh yeah. So, the uh, the scheduling news that uh, Haydad mentioned uh, a second ago. Ole Miss sent out a release earlier today, and this is kind of cool. Ole Miss has added Alcorn State to its future uh, future schedule. Marking the first time in program history, the Rebels will face the in-state opponent. Uh, both schools uh, announced this earlier today. Uh, Ole Miss will host Alcorn State September 9th, 2028. First ever HBCU and current SWAC opponent that Ole Miss has faced on the uh, on the football field. Pretty. This is cool. Yeah, Jackson State and Alcorn State. Those two games that have been, or three games that have been in Starkville are some of the best non-conference games in terms of getting fans into the stadium. You, know, you get the bands there. It's just a great atmosphere. I think they'll, they'll be really, really enjoyable. So looking ahead to Ole Miss's non-conference slate starting this year and going forward, they play Baylor this year in Houston, Southeast Missouri State, UConn, and Georgia Southern. Next year they play Louisville in Atlanta, plus Austin P, Tulane, and Liberty. 2022, it's Georgia Tech on the road. Uh, I'll just highlight the the interesting games. 2023, they host Georgia Tech and go to Tulane. 2024, at Wake Forest. Uh, 2025, at Southern Cal and host Wake Forest. 2026, they host Southern Cal. 27, they host Oregon State. 28, you've added Alcorn State to the schedule. Go to Oregon State in 30. 32, they go to Virginia Tech. 
home and home with Purdue at home and then on the road in 33 and 34. And then in 2037, 17 years from now, Ole Miss will be hosting Hokey Hokey High, Virginia Tech. So, scheduling out a bit. We'll be back. When we talk as much as we have about how much we're looking forward to live sports, once again, it feels like we probably ought to update what's going on. You've got golf happening in Hilton Head. Harbortown Golf Links, it's the RBC Heritage, round one. A uh, lot of low numbers. Scoring was really good early in the day. Ian Poulter and Mark Hubbard in the clubhouse both shot 64. They are seven under par. Sebastian Munoz, Victor Hovland, uh, Michael Thompson all at six under par. Webb Simpson on the course at six under par uh, through 13. Got a big group at uh, five under par, including Jordan Spieth, who goes five under in his opening round for the second consecutive week. Tony Finau, Did you see what Spieth under. did today? No, what did he do? Spieth went out and two over, but oh he started goodness. on the back. Shot 29 on the front, his final nine for a 66. So on the he started on number 10 and went par, par, triple, and then made a birdie on 13. So he was two over through four holes. Made one, two, three, four, five consecutive pars to close out the backside, which was his first nine. Made a par on one, and then he birdied two, three, four, five, six, seven. Made a par on eight, and birdied nine. That's some pretty good playing for a uh, first round 66. He's been a little sporadic, but it's been brilliant. Yeah, no, uh, no question. Harris English shoots uh, four under. He's in the clubhouse. Daniel Berger, who won last week at uh, Colonial, shoots a four under 67. Brooks Kepka, four under. Uh, same thing for Ricky Fowles, uh, uh, Fowler. Uh, Ernie Berger's Ells, the hero was... of the day, by the way. Did you Why see the screen grab? I, I couldn't watch it live. I, I couldn't find my Reddit pirated feed to watch the, the morning stuff. But Patrick Reed uh, hit a, an errant drive that was in the pine straw. And if you know Patrick Reed's history, especially with no gallery around, um, Daniel Berger made sure to walk off the fairway and stand with his hands on his hips, making sure Patrick Reed didn't improve his lie in the pine straw. Went wow. out of his way to make sure that he saw that Reed didn't do something bad. Do you think he was making a point, or do you think he was doing Patrick Reed a solid so that there was no question? Probably that. More so that, but the screen grab is funny nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Ernie L shoots four under. Uh, Dustin Johnson on the course right now, four under through 13. So uh, both DJ and uh, Webb Simpson playing some really good golf. Uh, Aaron from Gulfport sent you the, uh, the the picture on the text line, by the way, if you or, or hey, Dad, if you guys haven't seen it. I mean, it's clear as day. <laughs> it's looking right <laughs> at Patrick Reed. His ball's in the fairway somewhere. I mean, he did not have to be there. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron from Gulfport sending us the message on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Here's a text. This will uh, perhaps ruffle some feathers. We mentioned Ole Miss is going to host Alcorn State in 2028. Don't have a name on this text message that I see. It says Mississippi may play those games, but Ole Miss will be long gone. Question is, what will be the nickname? Oh, boy. We got TJ coming up in 10 minutes. Good. <laughs> um, TJ Reeves will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up uh, in just a little bit. 
you know, I mean, you're closest to that man. What what is what's the temperature of that? I actually had a conversation with uh, with somebody about this yesterday, and well, first of all, a piece of news today: the IHL voted uh, to allow Ole Miss to move the Confederate statue that is on the east end prominently of the circle. Uh, and so that will be happening in the near future to the displeasure of some, but to the relief of many, maybe most. Um, many, so, many more than the some. Yeah, I would agree with that. We are going to have the state flag debate, and it is going to heat up and probably is going to be ugly. And there are a lot of people that point out that, you know, oh, okay, yeah, I, I think the state flag should change. I believe the Confederate monument should be moved. But where do you stop? What, what, because you get into the slippery slope argument, and some people call it a slippery slope fallacy, and some people just call it a slippery slope. And, and you know, what, where, where do you stop and say you can't change history, you can't change everything, you can't please everybody? This is the line in the sand that will be drawn. Tim and McGee sends us a message. He said he's so tired of this. And, you know, Tired of it or not, it's a conversation or it's a series of conversations that is not going away. I, I don't know about the history of the buildings at Mississippi State. My, my guess is that there are some buildings that are named on campus about people that have uh, by, uh, named for people who have a past that would be considered questionable at this point. Hey, Dad, again, I, I, I don't know that. You would know it better than me. But as this conversation evolves, my guess is that it will be a conversation that arises in Starkville as well. I would imagine every college in the South, from the University of Kentucky down to Florida. You know, Florida today decided. Oh yeah, we got Florida were, in the mix. Yeah, they, they're they're going to no longer promote the Gator Bait chant. Uh, so everybody, you know, everybody's going to have at least one thing. Mississippi State, Lee Hall, there's a bust of Stephen D. Lee in the middle of the drill field, first president of the university. He's also a Confederate general. So there's going. I would imagine there will be some, some talk about that. I'm not trying to avoid the question. So the question was, what's it going to um, – what, what's the conversation going to be? Here's my thought, and this is just my opinion. I, I agree – and I know not everybody does. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to force... This is only my opinion. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. It's just what I think. I think the state flag needs to be changed. I agree with the sentiment of moving the Confederate monument, and, and I think the plan is ultimately to put it in the, uh, the cemetery that honors the University Grays back behind Tad Smith Coliseum. And, and I think there's some plan... I mean, it's a... There was a report today that it's going to cost over a million dollars to move and kind of reset the statue and you know make that a a, a nice area, uh, an area that honors the past. Private and donation okay for that. that, by the Pri way. Private money will will cover that, not public money. Um, people want to tell you that Ole Miss is a connotation to a, a plantation owner's wife. It's possible. I, I, I don't know my history well enough to be able to definitively tell you that or not. 
My, my assumption is that, yes, that, w- that was a term that was used. But that's not what Ole Miss is. And the only people who are shouting about that are people who want you to believe that that's what Ole Miss is. In, in the same way to me that the eyes of Texas, you know, we're talking about Texas athletes wanting to not have to sing the eyes of Texas, that's the university song, That's a unifying thing for the University of Texas. There's nobody that that stands in a stadium or at a graduation and hears the eyes of Texas played and go, yes, that so reminds me of the minstrels in 1903. It's not what that is. seemed like the vast majority of people were, they learned something new when that came out. Had no idea that that was even where it came from. I did. No, no, nor did I. Not until you start reading the history of it. We we can't change history. We can't. We can learn from history. We can do things to not repeat history. And I don't think that, you know, if you have people that were bigots and racists and stood for all the things that were wrong, even if it was a different time in history, I, I don't think that means you can't make changes. But you can't rewrite history either. And I think universities, and we're talking about Ole Miss in particular, who fairly or unfairly, largely because of its own doing, but also because it's a narrative that's easy to punch down from from ivory tower media people all over the country. Ole Miss has had to deal with more than its fair share of ugliness related to race relations and, and an ugly Confederate history because of integration and all that happened with that. Right. So we, we, we know that. But you don't have to change everything. Because the other thing that I would say about Ole Miss, despite having to deal with a lot of that, there's a a pretty solid argument to be made that Ole Miss slash the University of Mississippi has done more to try to rehabilitate that image and make changes and be more inclusive than any other school in in, in the SEC. Because, maybe because it had a longer way to go, but if you're just writing a story about Ole Miss is racist because they're whatever, it's just lazy. Because you're ignoring all the progress that has been made and all the good things that have been done to try to mend some of those fences and heal some of those wounds and repair some of those bridges that have been burned along the way. Sports Talk Mississippi. TJ Reeves will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line next. As expected, the previous conversation has generated a ton of responses on the C Spire text line, and I promise you we will come back to this, we will continue the conversation, and uh, we'll kind of let your voice be heard on it as well. But right now we're going to press pause on that conversation and go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. TJ Reeves joins us right now. He is at Buck Sideline Guy on Twitter. He is the radio sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. TJ, when you look at what's going on in the NFL right now in terms of trending toward the start of a regular season, we've kind of 
said all along, look, the NFL's in a little bit different spot than college football. They are going to play. They are going to figure it out. Do you feel like things are, are continuing to trend the way they need to for us to get the, the full NFL season? First of all, good to be with you, and let's hope so, and, and you're right. I mean, the NFL is big business. It's not college sports, and so I think they have multiple plans. I've jokingly said this on other shows and other podcasts over the last couple of weeks. Believe it or not, Roger Goodell is not consulting with me. The owners of the Buccaneers, the Glazers, and the other owners of the NFL are not consulting with me, but... In world according to TJ, just watching all of this and knowing enough about it, uh, the NFL, uh, you know, is going to do this responsibly. They're not going to do this stupidly, but they're going to continue to evaluate week to week, every couple of weeks on what are we doing. And I believe that you're going to see facilities open for players to begin practice here in the next few weeks. You're going to see training camps begin. Uh, and then we'll see where we go from there with the preseason and how long, uh, as this progresses. And so, uh, I do have optimism that we're going to see NFL football. I have optimism that we're going to see college football. How long does it all last, Richard? That's a whole other question. Yeah. By pretty much any objective measure, Roger Goodell is good at his job. Now, subjectively, it's a different conversation for a lot of people. You know, when we had the, uh, the, the uh, virtual draft, uh, there were a lot of people that said Roger Goodell's image may have actually softened a little bit, and, and some people may have warmed up to him. He, he seems to be doing a pretty good job from a leadership standpoint going through this COVID-19 process, although it was during the offseason. Do you feel like the sentiment about Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL, has changed at all in the last four or five months? Well, I think so, and the social justice part of it, and, and you know, it's now six days ago, yeah. basically him him being the voice behind it of we welcome uh, social change, we, we welcome the essentially the protest uh, movement, even if it involves the protesting of the national anthem, uh, and, he, and they're going to welcome Colin Kaepernick back if a team wants him. So that was a, a huge reversal in the midst of all of what uh, we've been dealing with and watching and seeing over the last few months from coronavirus now to the protests. So back to your point about the draft, I don't think this can be stated enough. Uh, he was being ripped in a lot of places, uh, in specific by national media and New York for, uh, for pushing ahead and the owners pushing ahead with the timeline of the draft and holding the draft. And it turned out to be fabulous TV. They pulled yeah. it off. Uh, which was not easy. I know you know the business, and for those that know the television side of things, that that was a three-night high-wire act nightmare of video feeds from all kinds of different directions. Nobody's in the same building. Nobody's in the same place. It, it was a tremendous marquee three nights for the NFL, and Goodell deserves a lot of credit for pushing ahead and saying, we will do this, we will pull it off, we, we will be optimistic that we're going to be playing this season, we will uh, we will lead by example here, and it works. So I think he does deserve some credit at this point. I mean, obviously there's going to be critics of any commissioner right now. He's not Rob Manfred, the, <laughs> the head of Mitchell League Baseball, and they can't seem to figure anything out about when they're going to play. If we get to the point where we get a picture of Tom Brady eating a bowl of cereal or a bowl of soup, people are going to go crazy about it. But there was a special kind of crazy that uh, I guess in particular uh, Bucks fans went earlier this week when the pictures of him in a Bucks uniform were revealed. Did that make Tom Brady in Tampa Bay more real than anything else that we've seen so far? Yes. 
uh, and, and just because of the way you described it, you hadn't seen him in a jersey yet. You had heard him on a conference call. You've seen him on the on the golf a challenge with Tiger and Phil and Peyton Manning, but you hadn't seen him in Buccaneer clothing yet. So again, these are still photos uh, that that were taken in a studio, and it's not you know him playing in a game, but it's the next best thing that we have right now. And, and what's big down here, and this is all over social media, is he's continuing to hold workouts, private workouts with his teammates that are allowed because Florida is now in, in phase two of contact and opening of different things. And so they're working out at different high schools in South Tampa uh, and downtown Tampa. And so the television helicopters, Richard, have been flying over a couple of the mm. high schools, showing the high school fields uh, where Brady and Gronkowski, Brady and Mike Evans, uh, Brady and his center, Ryan Jensen, and, and some others are, are out working around uh, snaps and throws and timing and things like that until the facility is open. So as much of a big deal of excitement of him being in that jersey uh, came out online earlier this week, the video of them actually working out has whetted people's appetites as well. TJ, I want to switch gears with you. You've got a, uh, a strong golf background. I know you love the game. You uh, you served as an on-course reporter for PGA Tour Radio, have done that a, a number of times through the years. What did you make of the return of the PGA Tour last week at Colonial and then kind of rolling into this week with the first uh, round at Harbortown? Well, okay, so at the risk of being biased, as you set it up, I am a huge golf guy and have worked mm-hmm. for them before. You're a golf guy as well. If you're a golf fan, you appreciate it probably a little more. But even if you were just a sports fan, it was certainly dramatic with a lot of the big names last weekend at Colonial uh, in Fort Worth. And now they're at another traditional longtime stop in Hilton Head, South Carolina. This is usually the event, uh, the heritage that is played the week after the Masters. But because of the jumbled schedule, we're now playing it in mid-June, and this would have been the week of the United States Open, uh, which is which is arguably the most famous golf tournament in this country that's open to everybody. The Masters is not open to everybody, and it's probably a little more famous. So the U.S. Open's going to be in September, so we got to get used to some of these events right now taking the place of some of the majors. But then, Richard, when we get to late August, I, I had a colleague of mine in the golf world say to me, hey, when they tee up the first round of the PGA Championship, from that Thursday all the way through the end of the Masters in November, in 101 days, there are going to be three major championships, the PGA Championship, the uh, the U.S. Open, and the Masters. There are going to be three PGA Tour playoff events, including the Tour Championship and the Ryder Cup. So that's pretty good for golf to build up to. I'm interested to watch it. I get it that not everybody cares. But you've got a little variety right now. You've got the NASCAR, you've got the golf, you've got the UFC. Can we please get the baseball going mm. and then maybe get to the NBA and the NHL playoffs? We'll see. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like, and you may roll your eyes at this, and I guess I do to a certain degree, but the, the casual golf fan goes, yeah, but what about Tiger? Do you think right. the fact that he didn't play last week and didn't and, and isn't playing this week and probably Memorial's the first time we're going to see him is a long-range play for Tiger because he knows what you said a second ago. You're going to have three majors, three playoff events, and the Ryder Cup. So seven huge tournaments that happen over 101 days, and he knows there are only so many swings in his body. And so you think he's trying to kind of at least pace himself for now? You think that's what this is? I'm not kissing up to you, but you're 100% accurate. You're 110% Thanks, bud. accurate. He, I mean, he realizes at this point that he has got to be 
uh, as rested as he can be, and there are only uh, so many opportunities that he's going to have to put four rounds together at his age and with the bad back, which, by the way, had flared up before the COVID shutdown. The bad back had flared up again early on in the year, and he had shut it down for playing the events in Florida uh, before the before the coronavirus shutdown. So, yes. But, but uh, as yeah, an I, aside... Yeah. As an aside, looked so good. His swing looked better than I could remember it in a long time when we saw him at medalist in the match. Yeah. But again, can he put it together for four rounds back to back weeks or three weeks in a row? I don't think mm-hmm. that's that's there anymore. I don't think that's Tiger Woods of the two thousands, not of the twenty twenties, unfortunately, because of the injury uh to the the injuries to the knee and the and the back and the surgeries. Uh, again, I'm not making excuses for him. I, I've had this debate with a couple of others, and this is uh, worth kicking around, not just today, but as we as we go forward. Does he owe it to the PGA Tour to be playing some of these events right now? My stance is no. He doesn't owe the PGA Tour anything. Uh, if anything right now, they should basically say to him, play when you can play, because they, the, the Tour has exponentially grown in popularity and monetarily, money-wise, humongous money because of him. Uh, and he brought it back uh, fivefold with winning the Tour Championship uh, at the end of 2018 and then winning the Masters 2019 uh, to get everybody all stoked again yeah. for when he might show up. And he will be playing. He, as you mentioned, he'll play at the Memorial. He'll be playing some here in July and August probably uh, in and around the PGA Championship in San Francisco, so you will be seeing him. But that's just my stance, Richard. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't think he's under obligation to go play these events uh, when you're talking about one of the all-time greats, and there's only so much golf he can play physically. I'm not making excuses for him, but if if he goes out and plays back-to-back weeks right now and tweaks his back and can't play the majors, what are we saying then? How stupid you have gone and done that, right? Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. TJ, wish we had more time. Always good to visit with you. We will uh, hopefully talk again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. I know you've got to run. Be well. Everybody stay safe. Let's stay positive and keep rocking along. Thank you, Richard. That is TJ Reeves. He is that Buck Sideline guy on Twitter. We will be right back with you. Did you ever believe that I could leave you? Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. I promised you we would come back to this, and uh, I want to, uh, because a lot of you responded. We were talking earlier. The question on the table was about, you know, with the removal of the uh, the Confederate statue of Ole Miss, it was approved today, approved today by the IHL, with the uh, debate that we know is imminent with regard to the state flag, what, what about the name Ole Miss? And I kind of laid out some of my opinions uh, there as well. Um I want to get to all these these text messages, but I want to ask you guys as well. Um, Borky, your opinion on the name Ole Miss? It's not Be, far because, off from yours, truthfully. Okay. I mean, it is. It's a, it's a complex issue. I, I do want to refer back to it was a few years ago. The university did hire a a firm, an outside firm, to do some digging into the connotation and and what that name meant and how people felt about it. And it was overwhelmingly favorable, both nationally and uh, among the people at school there. Times are a little bit different now, but at least there was a nonpartisan uh, commissioned study that was done to figure out if that name was something that 
was actually offensive in any way to people beyond Mississippi State message boards? And the answer then was no. Maybe things have changed now, but for whatever that may be worth to you. Um, and I'm with you. I, I think you can, and I'm okay with the, the changing of names. Uh, we talked about Clemson's, uh, a former vice president that was a segregationist and a, a, a Confederate a pro, a guy that fought his entire political career to preserve slavery. If you want to take that name off of your honors college, by all means, absolutely, and I will support you in doing that. State flag, same thing. And if you care about your schools at all, even though the flag doesn't fly on their campuses anymore, if you care, not just the athletic side of it, but the academic side of your schools, you want that flag to be changed as well. Uh, take my word for it, I promise you. If you care about the long-term health of your higher, uh, your institutions of higher learning in this state, you want that thing to be changed and very soon. But there does have to be a line. I don't exactly know where that line is, but the the Gator bait thing's probably a good place to start. Because if you really dig deep into where, look at what the Tennessee Volunteers fought to preserve. They they came to Texas's aid. What was Texas fighting for? Go, go read about where the Tennessee Volunteers came from, where the LSU Tigers, where they got that name, the Clemson University's name, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, all of, there are, it's ingrained in it because, it, as you mentioned, it is part of our history, but you do have to draw a line somewhere. And what these institutions can do in the meantime is alter where they came from. I bet a lot of people had no idea where LSU got the tiger from because now it's all about the animal. That's, that's all it's about. And they have one on campus, and they made it they, – they removed themselves from the original name and made it about a pretty awesome jungle cat, and that's what it's about now. So maybe there's an avenue for you to preserve your names that you've spent decades building a brand on while making it about something else. That's probably where they should go, and I assume they're, they're going down that road to try to take away from the origin and make it about something else. LSU did it. North Carolina did it. Tennessee I, I was probably going to have to do it at some point. UNLV's doing it. Florida State did it. You might have to do it here as well, and that's okay. Hey, Dad, you're coming from a, a different perspective. Um, what are your thoughts? My first thought is that Rebels is in more trouble than Ole Miss would be. I, I think if something is going to end up getting changed up there, I mean, they had it, they got rid of Colonel Reb, and, and I've always felt like that was like the the, preempt, the 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 preemptive thing to get rid of the mascot. But you know, the, it's still the Rebels. So if something's going to get changed, if you if you ask me what's going to happen, I think that the name Rebels is in more danger of being changed than than the name Ole Miss. You know, the, this is cliche. There was a, a wall in the student union where there was a, it wasn't a plaque. I mean, it was raised lettering for a, for a long quote. And I guess I could, the, the genesis of it was the university gives a diploma and regretfully right. terminates tenure, but one never graduates from Ole Miss. I've heard that, yeah. And it, I think there's something to that, and, and that's the way it's viewed. I mean, if Rebels goes away at some point, I'm sure there are people. I, no, not I'm sure. I know without question there are people that are going to 
you know, bang their heads on the wall. But, but you've heard me say a million times, hyperbole. You've heard me say probably literally a thousand times, I don't care about a mascot. I don't. I, I don't care about a fluffy cartoon character on the sideline or what the, the mascot mark is. But as someone who has a diploma from the University of Mississippi and who has grown up here and cares about this place, I do care about Ole Miss, the name. And I don't ever want to see that change. Because I don't I, I know for a fact that it is not what some people want to make it. It's just not. We'll get to your text next. Start the 4 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire is here to help. Get up to $700 off smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. You'll always find awesome deals on the latest devices at cspire.com, plus with options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup, uh, in select locations, getting a new smartphone is safer, quicker, and more convenient than ever. And the C Spire network is always getting faster and better, even letting you talk on the phone and use data at the same time. Head over to cspire.com now to find the perfect device for you. That number, 601-879-4395 if you want to jump in and be a part of the conversation. So... um. Let's get to some of your responses. Uh, talking about the, uh, the very complicated issue of change, uh, changing historically significant things, whether it's a flag, moving a monument, a nickname, uh, or whatnot. And we were talking specifically about it as it pertains to, uh, to Ole Miss, and a bunch of you have responded going back to early in the, uh, the 3 o'clock hour. So let me just try and go back and, and walk through some of these. Um, Keith and JS says, are you going to rename half the counties in the state of Mississippi? It's a reasonable question. Uh, Lee County, which is where Tupelo is, is named after Robert E. Lee, Confederate general. That's just one example. Certainly there are others. Um, and everywhere. Others everywhere. Like UNLV, they, they tried to hide it, but UNLV's mascot was born through the Confederate. That's where they got rebels from now they've changed it recently and tried to alter it and make it about other things that's where it came from though nevada las vegas so it's not even people just want to point to the south as oh the south can't let go the south can't let go it's everywhere everywhere look at a heat map of where confederate statues are in this country they have them in ohio they're everywhere this yeah. context is everywhere darren and jackson why can't you talk about the history and reason why old miss is nicknamed the rebels and even old miss uh, Darren, I think that's exactly what we're doing. Hal and Starkville. Ross Barnett Reservoir will be next after the flag. That's not a it's not a crazy take at all. Here's one that says UNLV petitioned to remove its rebels name. Text it says put American history back into schools instead of social studies. Robin Tupelo says, we won't learn from history if we hide from it. John and Madison says it will never stop. Lee County, Mississippi, named after Robert E. Lee. Jim in the Delta says, 
Do you guys believe the American flag should be changed because a large segment of our population in the country would love to see it changed? Of course we don't. He says a lot of the same people who want the Mississippi state flag changed want that as well. That and may says be true, the slippery but slope a, theory seems a, real. There's a, also a, a very large uh, segment of the state that wants the state flag changed that does not want the American flag changed. I would say it is much larger than the segment he's talking about. Robin Grenada says the offended will never stop being offended regardless of what you do. Before it's all said and done, someone will sue to change the calendar because it's based on the death of Jesus. History is history, and it's apparent that history is not being taught the way it should be. Here's one, no name on it. The people screaming from the mountaintop never acknowledge all the positive changes made as it is disruptive to their narrative. There's something to that. Richard, I agree with what you said, but you're trying to have a rational conversation with irrational people on both sides, but the name of a school has nothing to do with people's position in life. Um, opportunities are there for everyone to improve themselves. Jake in the uh, Delta, if the flag gets changed, it should be put on the ballot. It would show the rest of the country that the state as a majority wanted the change. If it gets done by the state Congress, I think lots of states will say they're a bunch of mad rednecks in Mississippi. A vote shows a much better representation, in my opinion. Yeah, Jake, you you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree on that, um, which is fine. Uh, Again, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of our elected officials that say this needs to be a vote by the people of the state of Mississippi. And my argument, and you can tell me this is a terrible argument, that's fine. We, we can disagree on this, and I'm not mad at you if we disagree on it. But my argument is, no, there are people who are in leadership positions who have an opportunity to do something that will help the state of Mississippi in the long run more than anything else they could do while elected. And there are people who go, oh, they're not leaders, they're elected officials. Well, okay, maybe we're splitting hairs on on that. And then there are those that go, well, no, the the job of elected officials is to represent their constituency. I I don't disagree with you on that. But I think our state leaders would be doing Mississippi a solid job by taking care of this as opposed to going through the ugliness of another ballot initiative referendum. Because even though we went through this back in 2000 or 2001, the ugliness of the coverage of the vote, if it is not passed by a majority of Mississippians, would pale in comparison to what it was just 20 years ago. It would be constant. It would be nonstop. It would be devastating, especially since this is a sports show, to the two schools you love the most, the three schools, but the majority of our listeners are Ole Miss and State fans. The schools you love the most and the teams you love the most would be devastated by a vote that does not change it. Devastated yeah, I, by it. And, and I'll just be, I'm going to be, I'm, look, we're just laying it all out here. I don't have confidence that in a ballot initiative referendum situation, there would be enough votes to to vote for a change, the state, I'm sorry, the change of the state flag. 
And many of you would say, well, that's exactly why it should go to a vote. No, I, I, I disagree. I think it's important enough that it needs to be changed. Period. And that's why I think the, the leaders in the House and the Senate and the governor's mansion should do that. For, for, for the good of Mississippi business, for the good of Mississippi tourism, uh, for, for the future, for the perception. Mississippi is a great place. I am proud to call this state my home. And I want to see it get better. I want to con- see it continue to get better. I think the economy can become better here in Mississippi. I think we can bring more businesses, more jobs, more high-paying jobs to Mississippi if the state flag doesn't include, as part of it, the symbol of the Confederacy. And, 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 and let me just say this. It's not the historical signal, uh, symbol of the Confederacy that bothers me. Okay? I, I can look at that and go, that's pretty, it's red, white, and blue. Oh, that looks good on a flag. Okay, I understand the, the historical significance of this. And I understand uh, the lives that were lost by Mississippians fighting for a cause that they believed in. That's not why the Confederate flag needs to no longer be part of the state flag in Mississippi. The reason it needs to no longer be part of the state flag in Mississippi is because hate groups across the globe, but specifically in the United States, groups whose primary mission is hate, have co-opted that symbol as theirs. And that is why it does not need to be a part of our state flag. I'm not peeing on the graves of those who died for what they believed was a just and noble cause. And I'm not debating the the cause with you either. I'm just saying that groups like the Ku Klux Klan and uh, you know fascist extremists and other hate groups have co-opted the Confederate flag as their symbol of hate. And hate is not what the state of Mississippi is about. Our state motto is we're the hospitality state. How can you say you're the hospitality state and wrap your arms around everyone and say, come and be a part of our incredible culture and our food and our heritage and our history and pay no attention to the Confederate battle flag that's in the corner of our state flag? How do you make those two ideas ideas dovetail? We celebrate our hospitality, our welcoming, the, the fact that we're friends and neighbors to anyone we meet. That's one of the things that's most unique about the state of Mississippi, the state that we all love so very much. And yet we're okay, many, many of us, with a symbol of hate being part of our state flag. That's why it has to be changed. To the majority of people that see that Confederate battle flag, it's no different than seeing a swastika. It's no different. It represents hate. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. As uh, I said earlier, the uh, ceasefire text line is on fire, and we will give you a voice as well, I promise. Uh, but right now, 
We're going to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our friend Ben Ingram from the Atlanta Braves Radio Network joins us right now. Ben, it feels like maybe, possibly, hopefully we're getting closer to uh, this this baseball thing, the stick and ball thing coming back. Are, are you confident or – yeah, what do you do? Yeah, this thing. I, you asked me if I'm confident. I, I feel like this time I am, but at the same time, I've been I've been very confident for two months, and and I feel like we've had moments of optimism, only to have the rug ripped out from underneath us. And and, and if that happens again this go round, after as close as it seemed like we were last night and and this morning. Uh, only to have this thing blow up in our face is going to be extremely discouraging. But it does seem like they're close in somewhere between 60 and 70 games. Looks like what they could figure uh, to, to do at this point. And, and the fact that the owners have said uh, we're, we're going to agree to, to the 100% pro rata that you want uh, for 60 games, players want 70. Let's just call it a day at 65. If they can do that between now and Saturday, I think that'd be great. And I'm hopeful that that's what's going to take place. Ben, I feel like you might be uniquely qualified to to kind of help us encapsulate this. There, there's so much angst between the the player side, the owner side. That's been well documented, and it's been well documented through labor disputes over several decades. What is it at the core that players really want, and what is it at the core? I, I think I know the answer to this side of it that the owners really want. That's a great question. Uh, if you really wanted to break it all the way down, I mean, I mean, obviously more money is what they're looking for, more control. Um, you know, the players have a pretty sweet deal. I mean, they have the best union in sports. You can make the argument they have the best union in America, to be quite honest. Um, and, and what the owners have is a pretty unique situation as well. They make plenty of money. I, I, when I heard the comments that uh, the owner of the Cardinals made last week, that baseball isn't profitable, I'm Ooh. thinking, okay, we'll sell your team. If it's not profitable, what are you doing doing this business? I mean, you, uh, these teams are making hundreds of millions of dollars annually, and I know that they spend a lot to make a lot, but that's just how it goes. Uh, at their core, I, I think that the owners are just looking to play as many games as humanly possible with, with paying the players the least. This is a situation where both sides feel like they have their hand on the wheel. And I think in order for baseball to succeed, I think they have to, with the knowledge of what is best for the game, I think they have to share the wheel. I don't think it can be one side driving it more so than the other. I think that's what they both like to see. Players want to, they think they think without them they don't have a game. And, and to their credit, that's the truth. But without the owners, uh, those players don't have a job. So I, I think we need them both, obviously. And, and they're they're two really really big spokes and a big wheel. But I think they've got to find a way to have common ground share the power they both need each other this this thing is like a seesaw i mean if it gets out of balance if one side's going to be way up in the air the other one's going to be on the ground and it's not going to work out all that well the thing that concerns me the most for where we are right now is if there's any animosity built up beyond what this conclusion that we come to for 2020 then i feel like that that same animosity is just going to stew for the next two years and when we get to the next CBA and these two sides have to come up with another agreement, I don't want these two sides coming to the table with already built-up animosity and, and, and mutual vitriol towards one another. If we have that, then we could have a serious work stoppage for the 22 season. 
Uh, and that's what no one wants to see. And, and it really is a pretty bad run that baseball's had these last few seasons. You go back to 2017, you have a tainted World Series title. Uh, in the Astros, 2018, there are arguments for the same thing with the Red Sox. Last year seemed to be okay, but this year we're, we're not. We, there's the risk that we don't have a season. And then there's the chance that we could have a, a strike for the 2022 campaign. And, and it's just a bad run. Uh, it, it's a bad look for Major League Baseball. And I think what is best for these guys, what's best for them individually, is what they certainly want. But I think all of us, those who, us who work in the game, fans, people who care just a little bit about the game, they have to demand that above all those things, above what fits their personal interest, they have to act in what's best and what's the, what the best interest is for the game. And, and I think they've lost sight of that. I certainly think the owners and, and the commissioner has lost sight of that. Uh, that's my personal opinion on that, and I hope that they can find a way to, to get a season, get a 60 to 70 games, and, and hopefully have no work stoppage come the 2022 season because you have that – you think yeah. that baseball is dwindling in popularity right now. It's only going to dwindle even more. The game, though, has been financially healthy. We've talked in the past about the fact that, that you know, maybe it's okay that, that baseball is, is local or regional at best until you get to the playoffs. But financially, it's healthy. So I, I understand that Major League Baseball players are adamant against the idea of a salary cap. And, you know, you can call it whatever you want to. They, they look at revenue sharing as part of... Uh, you know, as just a, a code word for mm-hmm. for salary cap. But if indeed Major League Baseball is healthy and is growing, which which we're seeing from some of the new TV contract numbers that have been leaked, why are the the players so adamant? Why why would you not come to some sort of a percentage split and then say, okay, salaries have to be spent based on this amount of revenue, but. As the game grows in popularity and financially, players have a chance to grow as well, which is something that they've said they wanted. Sure, and I think it's a good point that you bring up, and getting those guys to to be convinced of that is going to be interesting because these guys, I think they see a salary cap as a limit for what they could earn. I think they feel like there's a chance that they could be taken advantage of. I think they feel like they're the only ones standing up for themselves and the owners would not have their best interest in mind. And I certainly think that there is some some middle ground there where they could figure that whole thing out. And that's the thing. Baseball is very profitable. I mean, and not just with the the TV deals that we've seen. You just mentioned the billion dollar deal that the that the uh, that Major League Baseball inked with TBS for postseason games. Look how many brand new stadiums have gone up in the last twenty years. I mean, we have so many brand new ballparks in baseball. So there's money being made. I'm wondering if these players. And this is what they fought so hard against it in 25 years ago, 26 years ago, in the strike and won, uh, and, and have never had to deal with a salary cap. They don't want to put any kind of limit on what they could earn. I think they feel like the more money that baseball is making, the more entitled they are to uh, a very large percentage of that. If baseball is making even more money, they want to be able to go, they want to have players making uh, $50 million a year, $60 million a year. They feel like they are directly responsible for that. When they open up the gates, their argument is they're coming to see us. They're not coming to see owners. They're not coming to see general managers. They're not coming to see the ballpark. They're coming to see us. And, and I think that's how they view that. Uh, it, it could be a short-sighted view, Richard. It really might be. I think there are probably smarter ways to go about it to where everybody could win. And, and, and it, it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of the players simply because I don't live in their world. I don't know what it's like to, to make $30 million a year. I don't even know what it's like to – uh, make, make the league minimum of, of just over 500000 a year. It's a completely different world. 
And, and once they get to the big leagues, I mean, there's certainly monetary incentive for them in a big, big way to get there and stay there. And I don't think they want to limit what their ceiling is with any kind of a salary cap. I think they want uh, things to be as fair as humanly possible across the board with, with teams uh, not having the same teams at the top of the same teams at the bottom every single year. But I don't think they want it at the expense of uh, them seeing limits as to what they could make or uh, what a team could give them over the long haul. Ben, last thing for you. Major League Baseball loves its record book, right? I mean, the, the, the sanctity of the records, does playing a 66-game or 70-game or 60-game season, are there people that are concerned about what that could potentially do to the record book? Well, from an individual uh, when it comes to individual records, I don't think so, because I think whatever anyone accomplishes over the course of 60, 65, 70 games is going to come with an asterisk. For instance, if a guy goes out there and hits 410, we're not going to view that the same way as we view Ted Williams hitting 406 or Rogers Hornsby hitting 424 or any of those other guys that have hit 400. I don't think we'd talk about the 2020 campaign as the year that someone finally hit 400. It was, it, there's just no way you can make that connection. I think that's yeah. really the only... Uh, statistic that you could think about threatening a record, maybe an ERA title. A guy could go out there for ten starts and you know have a sub one ERA for the year. Uh, but I just and, and surpass Bob Gibson. Link it up. Exactly. I, I don't think you're going to link that up with any other accomplishment that's happened and say, well, we have a brand new record. The, the issue that I do have, and this isn't anyone's fault. I don't see how you could really do anything about this. Is the validity of crowning a champion after a 60, 65, or 70-game season. You go back to game 60 last year, the team that won the World Series would not have even qualified for the postseason in Washington. They had that, they were 19-31 and 31 through 50 games. So the, the, the challenge of baseball and the thrill of winning a World Series is that you went through the whole grind of 162 games plus the postseason. So I think you'll crown a champion – that franchise, I mean, what do you want them to do? They're going to hang a banner. They're going to have rings. They're going to have a championship parade. But, and I think you can stop right there. I think when we look back at the season, when we look back on everything from this year, every this is an outlier year, not just in sports, but in our nation and our world altogether. And I think this will just fall right into that in that category of, well, that's our champion from 2020. Who knows? It's like, oh, that was 2020. Oh, that was 2020. We're going to be saying that a lot of, exactly. about a lot of things. Yeah, Ben, exactly. thanks so much for your time, as always. Hope we're talking baseball soon. You got it. Thanks so much, Richard. Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Glad to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, good conversation with T.J. Reeves earlier. Good conversation with Ben Ingram just a few moments ago. If you missed any of that, you can always go back and get it on the podcast, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. We are at a time where we're at the intersection of sports and politics. And I know sometimes that leads to uncomfortable conversations and it leads to strong disagreements. And we've gotten some messages, and I'm sure there's some sentiment that says, would you guys please move on? And we will do that. But I want to be fair on this deal. I recognize that the microphone that I'm sitting behind right now is a big platform. And you don't necessarily have a microphone in front of you, but you do have strong opinions. And whether I agree with your opinion or not, I've said to you, if you want to send us a message and it's it, it's not unreadable on the air, then I want to read it. Because I, I want to give you this, the same platform for us to have this discussion. 
and it has turned into a flag discussion, which was not kind of where we started, but hey, Dad, would, this is your fault, hey, Dad. You, you asked the question earlier, you said, you know, what about Ole Miss? And that kind of started us down this road, and once you start down the road, there's really no stopping until you just slam on the brakes and make a hard right turn or a hard left turn, which is what we're going to do after we kind of go through this long list of text messages. You want to shoot us one, you can. Ceasefire text line's open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. So I'm just going to cut, you know, if there's one that stands out to you guys as I'm going through, feel free to stop me, respond if you'd like to. I, I may do that with some of these as well. Uh, changing names, flags, and tearing down monuments will not change hearts and minds. Michael in Starkville says, Richard, got to disagree with you. I went to war two times under that flag. It kind of means something to me. I don't 100% follow. I mean, maybe, Michael, you're part of the Mississippi National Guard. Uh, I'm not entirely following, though, what you're saying. Because I would think if you went to, the, went to war for the United States, it would have been under the American flag. But anyway, uh, Trey... The mailman says changing names and flags won't change what's in a person's heart. No. Uh, this it, one, it, no it, name. Go ahead. It, it won't. There's 100% truth to that. I mean, changing the state flag of Mississippi will not cure a lot of people's perceptions of the state. That, that, is, that is true. But doing so can help even a little bit. And I think a decision has to be made, certainly just my opinion, but a decision has to be made to where you decide, is something as truly meaningless as a state flag, if it's hurting you in any way, any way at all, even if it's just perception from the loony liberals, even if it's hurting your perception at all, if it's harming you in any way, should you keep it? Because it is just a state flag, however... If it's one that is damaging you somehow, it's a really easy choice. To me. My opinion only. No name on this one. It's from the 601. Dadburn statue has been there 114 years. Now all of a sudden we're going to move it to be politically correct to satisfy a few people. Well, they gave in 23 years ago. Quit playing Dixie and no rebel flags inside the stadium. That's when I quit going to the games. Oh yeah, leave the state flag alone. Long live Johnny Reb. Okay. If you go to Hulk football Man games says, because of a song, I mean, I, I don't uh, understand that. I, I go to football okay. games because I love football. It, it has nothing to do with it, a flag it, or a Borky, song. It, it's just a differing opinion. Absolutely. And everybody's entitled to theirs. Hogman says, y'all are college grads. Our country was founded for the people. People must vote. Brad says Jewish people are some of the most enslaved people in the history of the world, and that enslavement has not held them back from also being some of the most successful people in the world. Your history does not decide your future. Jeff says if it makes the ballot in November, I don't think it will pass, just my opinion, but I would vote to change the flag. Bubba and Meridian, did the people of Mississippi vote in the current flag, or did the lawmakers approve it? Lawmakers approved it. Legislature should abolish slash retire the current flag. Let the electorate vote on a new design. It's a little bit of a compromise. Seems fair. Hey, Alan Columbus says, you're spot on, Richard. 
Jimmy in Tupelo says there were no slaves brought into this country under the Confederate flag. They were, however, brought in under the American flag. So what you're saying is that the American flag needs to be changed. That's not a Here's one that says, sound like, Richard, you need to move to New York City. New York City? Let's dump the American flag. It pisses people off. Chris says, I personally am not against changing the flag. Pick two new flags and have a vote for the new one. Love your show. Ricky and Jackson. Okay, Richard, I'm with you. Let's get rid of everything that stands for hate, like Jim. Every guy needs to change his name, Jim. It just makes me think of Jim Crow and Jim Crow laws. If your name is Jim, you need to change it. Thank you. Certainly you're smart enough to understand that that argument is a significant leap in logic from what we're currently talking about. Jerry in Batesville says, why, do, why does the misuse of a symbol mean you should destroy the symbol? Gangs across the country use all sorts of sports teams, colors, and logos and wreak havoc on the communities they come from. We shouldn't even wear half the hats we do using that logic. This one says, Richard, I agree with you. The flag must be changed. Jim and Delta, Richard, if the Klan starts co-opting the American flag, will you support changing it also? Nothing is stopping them or any other hate group from doing so. Pat in Greenville says, does anybody want to talk about how State is going to bust the scoreboard on Ole Miss? Got my attention. You are saying that Natchez is celebrating hate when they hold the pilgrimage and tour the plantations every year. I don't think that's what I'm saying. Stick to sports, get off politics. You just compared Mississippians to Nazis. No, I didn't. Stick to sports, guys, especially exhausting since we haven't had them in three months and won't have them at a large scale for another six weeks. What sports do you want us to see? Jeff and Oxford, what if we all came together and made a compromise on the national anthem, all kneeling together at the beginning and all standing together halfway through the song, kneeling for injustice and standing for those that sacrificed for our freedom together? That's some outside-the-box thinking there, Jeff. If the people want the flag changed, then let the people change it. Majority rules or it's illegitimate. Otherwise, the flag will be more visible than ever. People will put it on shirts, bumper stickers, flagpoles, on their property, etc. So if viewing the flag is what offends people, then removing it will do nothing but create more images of the flag. And there's uh, one thing you can never do is come on someone's property and remove their flag. Majority rules? Who's the president of the United States right now? Guy who lost the popular vote, right? I'm not endeared to the present flag. I like the part of the Stennis flag that recognizes the contributions of the Choctaw Nation. However, I am endeared to voting. A vote sent the flag up the pole. A vote is what you need to take the place to replace it. Why do you fear a vote? It did not. That's wrong. Well, you know, the answer for why people fear a vote is, is an obvious one. Even if you disagree with the method or not, the answer is they don't want a public relations nightmare, and whether or not you want it to stay or you want it to go, you know that if it comes to a vote, which would be how many months before we decide that a vote's coming, before the vote actually happens, and you would have certain groups that would come and be at the governor's mansion and certain groups that would counter that, and you'd have protest and counter-protest and story after story after story and, vo- and negative PR nightmare, especially if the vote does not pass. And there are legislatures that do not want that to happen 
because it would be a disaster in the eyes of public relations. And you can think that's a joke, but that is the motivation behind that on top of um, not everything comes to a popular vote. That's not how our government's set up. It's, it's not feasible to have a, a population the size of ours and literally everything comes to a vote. That's why it is a constitutional republic instead of a democracy and why we have legislatures and representatives and things of, of that nature. They make decisions for us all the time that we have no input on. That's how it works. Another text message, quit preaching communism or I'm cutting this show off for good. Everybody in this country has different opinions that under some bounds need to be respected, but it's obvious where this show's opinion is, so mention it and move on. The use of this plas- uh, platform to push one agenda is similar to what were you were complaining about about OAN, MSNBC, and CNN. Or maybe it said CNBC. Um... Walter, this one actually bothered me a little bit, and I responded to Walter. I I, I just, I can't respond to all of these. Walter said, you saying our state flag means hate is a false statement, and it is not for you to label it that way. I didn't say that. I'm going to read you my response to Walter. I said, I said the part of the flag that contains the symbol of the Confederacy has been co-opted by groups whose primary mission is to espouse hate. And when people see a Confederate flag, they associate it with hate. There's a big difference. Walter's response was, hate groups use guns, and I bet they wear Wranglers and T-shirts. Let's ban them, too. Wranglers aren't hanging from the state house. We'll read a few more of these uh, because you took the time to send them to us and want to give you that platform as we go through this conversation. Uh, And then we will move on to the college football fix to start the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. All right, I want to try and zip you a, a few more of these text messages because uh, somebody said a second ago, you're beating a dead horse, please move on. And, and I'd like to move on, and we're going to move on, I promise you. When we go to the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to switch gears to the college football fix, and we'll focus on sports during the 5 o'clock hour. But I feel like it's important because you have taken the time to send messages to us about things that you're passionate about. As part of this conversation, I want to read as many of these messages as we can. David and Socher says, have a flag with a smiley emoji. Greg says, you'll never be able to mend fences with a group of haters who are looking for the fork to eat the pie. Stand for something or fall for anything. Interesting analogy. Uh, we cannot change the past. and uh, We cannot change until we let go of the past. Tony says, we need to love one another. There's too much hate. Uh... I'm 32, and I've been listening to this topic for 20 years. I'm sick of it. Let it go. Keith and Vaden says, why can't we all get along? Flags are symbols used to bring people together. If the state flag isn't uniting the whole state, then it should be changed, in my opinion. Luke and Flowood says, please change the damn flag. This one says, when you start messing with heritage, that obviously many people are passionate about. In my opinion, it will only ramp up the hate and tension. Possibly. There is nothing stopping you from possessing this flag and and waving it on your property. I've got, it's a saint's flag, but I've got one on mine. Nobody can take that from me and and stop me from waving it. This would only be a removal of it from a, a governmental representation standpoint. There is nothing 
that would stop you from wearing a t-shirt, uh, putting a bumper sticker like somebody mentioned, or waving that flag on your property every day for the rest of your life. And I support your ability to do that because that's what this country is about. That's the only difference. They're not taking it away from everyone, just from government-sanctioned things. You can wave it on your property forever. Wanda says you'll never be able to satisfy everyone. It's always going to be something. I'll preface this by saying I'm in favor of changing the flag, but if you notice, the flag was never an issue until Republicans slowly gained control of the governor's mansion, the Senate, and the House, and now the Democrats need something to keep the base fired up. Eh. I think this has been an evolving conversation for a long time that has more to do with where we are in history than who's in leadership. It's just my fault. Hogman says, thanks for reading our texts. Uh, here's one that says, we can't remove history and act like it never happened. It did. The flag and the monuments remind us of how far we have come as a society and how far we still have to go, and that ensures that we never repeat that history for generations to come. That's a very, that's very well said, and, and that's, that's a very cogent argument. What's worse, stick to sports guy or people that overly, overly use the phrase, wake up people? Let the people vote on the flag, but changing Lando Lakes and Aunt Jemima was too far. Hey, that's kind Adam of the Greenville genesis of this conversation, right? It is, it, a line has to be drawn somewhere, and it, it started with mascots, right? That's where this, the whole conversation began, and the line has to be drawn somewhere. And when it comes to something like I mentioned LSU, read about what the LSU Tigers were, or the Louisiana Tigers, excuse me, and where they got the name from. It, but they shouldn't be forced to change that because of where it came from because that, it's 200-something years old, and now it's about a jungle cat. It's not about the Louisiana Tigers of the Civil War. A line has to be drawn somewhere, and that would be a good place to start. I apologize for the text messages that we're not going to get to. If you're afraid of a vote, then you're afraid of who Mississippians really are, and you should leave because you sound like you hate us. Sorry that you feel that way. It's actually quite the opposite. Not afraid of quite voting. the opposite. I'm saying the legislatures are some legislatures are. I'm not scared of voters. Banning Confederate symbols by the government only legitimizes the false narrative that the Civil War was fought over. Uh, I, I can't. I can't. Will in Philadelphia says, I don't have a problem with changing the flag or moving statues, but we cannot do these things with the mindset that it will fix or change history. I completely agree with that, Will. It's not about fixing or changing history. It's about creating a better future. All right, I'm going to stop here. Um, and it's not because I don't want to get to your text. It's just... They're coming in faster than, than we can read them. I, I want to leave you with this thought. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying it's a conversation that is being floated. What if we make no changes to the state flag? There are 14 member institutions in the Southeastern Conference. Big decisions are made by presidents, not coaches or athletics directors. What if the other 12 presidents come together and say to the two presidents in the state of Mississippi, either get your flag changed or go find somewhere else to play sports? 
That is a real thing. I'm just saying don't be surprised if we hear that one day. All right, we will move on. College football fix when we come back. Thank you so much for your interaction. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dan, I lied to you. I'm reading one last text message because it's it's quite literally something that has never been that I've never heard before. It says I'm going to leave y'all with this. I always enjoyed y'all's show, even though y'all always leaned toward MSU. But since you turned it into a left political show and think the people of Mississippi aren't smart as y'all, I'm turning the station now and not listening again. He gets it. Whenever people have talked to me about this show, they're always like, Brian, you know, could you dial back on the MSU stuff? Let Richard and Borky get a word in edgewise. Let them maybe pump up Ole Miss every now and then. It's all I ever hear. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. It's only Thursday, right? Yeah. Yep. C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text with 10 gigabytes of high-speed data. $45 $45 per line with auto pay and paperless billing. Without auto pay, it's only $50 a month. So how's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. How about a little college football fix? College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough and a whole lot more. Find out about the savings on the entire line of Ford vehicles. You can check them out, test drive them, buy them at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Hey, Dad, on a scale of 1 to 10, your level of discomfort for the last hour and 15 minutes is... Eight and a half. I thought you were going to say like 11. No, no, it could have been much worse. I'll tell you what, I mean, this isn't the first conversation that's happened on this show, and the responses were um, definitely different than the last time a few years ago. A lot more cordial. Yeah, yeah, and look, I I am here to say thank you. I am absolutely here to say thank you. Well, you're welcome. For all of the interaction. Oh, yeah. my attempt was to be to re, uh, to be respectful of your opinions, whether they were for it or against it. And somebody said, instead of making fun of that last text, you might want to take him seriously because I believe a bunch of us feel that same way. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not really. Making fun of it. I was just reading it and saying that it was altogether different than pretty much every criticism or critique I've ever heard of this show. But people look at things through different lenses and they hear things through different 
hearing spectrums or whatever the term is. Whatever the, the lenses version of an ear is. It's just ears, I'm pretty sure. SEC Nation, which is the pregame show during football season that airs on SEC Network, is going to look a little different this year. No more Paul Feinbaum. No more Marcus Spears. Laura Rutledge will be back as the host. Tim Tebow will be back as the guy that wears really tight shirts and has really big shoulders. And there will be a new addition as Jordan Rogers, which is he has something comparable to Heisman Trophy winner. Here's the comp. Once you win the Heisman Trophy, you are forever referred to as Heisman Trophy winner fill-in-the-blank. Apparently, once you are the Bachelor, you are always referred to as Jordan Rogers, former Bachelor star. Never mind that he's been the lead analyst on the SEC Network Saturday night primetime game for four or five years. Former Bachelor star, Jordan Rogers. I'll be honest. Winning nine games at Vanderbilt is a hell of a much bigger accomplishment than winning the Heisman Trophy. Jordan Rodgers might be the greatest the first... college football player of all time. Andrew Marshand at uh, New York Post had the story first last night, citing sources ESPN's SEC Nation new look. Jordan Rodgers joins the team along with Tim Tebow, Laura Rutledge back. ESPN apparently auditioned former NFL and Alabama star running back Sean Alexander, reportedly also offered a position to Ben Watson, but he turned it down. And Paul Feinbaum, who along with Spears, made the decision to part ways with the show per the report. He will continue with his radio and TV show, and Marcus Spears gets a promotion to NFL Live. Uh, We wouldn't all look at college football to the NFL as a promotion. But for guys that played in the NFL and in terms of national consumption, going from a niche Saturday morning pregame show on the SEC network to NFL Live on a daily basis is a a big deal. What are you making the changes? Does that do anything for you whatsoever? I like it. I have... um... I still watch College Game Day far more often than SEC Nation. I just I, I like the production better, and there's a, a nostalgia factor. But it, I understand what Paul Feinbaum has built and who he is, and his salary is one that I would like to acquire at some point in, the, in my life. That'd be great. But his role is far better on radio, listening to people yell at him for four hours a day. When it comes to like real game analysis and like talking about matchups. He's way out of his league on a stage like that, and it's better suited that he's not there. If you want somebody to like really break down games that are about to happen in two hours, he's not really your guy. He never has been. That's not what made him famous to begin with, so I think that's the right move for sure. And, and he gets most of, so much of his audience, which again, you know, I would lo- we would love to have that, uh, is they hate listen. So you know when you bring him to SEC Nation, and you're trying to you know, put him off as like folksy Uncle Paul, it doesn't really work when all week long he's just been driving people insane. Yeah. Do you think he keeps going with the radio show? Well, he'll go as long as he can, I would think. Why would he get away from it? <laughs> Considering he's making $7 million a year yeah. to answer phone calls? 
Yeah. I, I'm sorry, not $7 million, I mean, a I mean, seven He's a good salary. interviewer. When he does the interviews and he's being serious about it, he's as good an interviewer as there is. But, yeah, he's not going anywhere, but, you know. Like, he, he, I think they tried to play him off as sort of like the Lee Corso role, and that that's just not him. Who would you like to see added? So Jordan Rogers is coming, Tim Tebow's coming, Laura Rutledge is hosting. What's a name or face that you would like to see at the desk weekly on SEC Nation? Homer Pick, Cole of... Kubelik. See, I'm thinking, okay. you know, in terms of let's try if they're trying to recapture what game day is, you need the funny comic relief coach. And, you know, I don't think Spurrier is going to do it. Um, I don't, you know, Les Miles is currently coaching. He would, he would have been perfect for it. So I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, who that could be. But they need somebody. Greg says, who, bring back Les Miles, please. Now we'd be cooking with grease. Les Miles would be perfect, absolutely perfect. But uh, you know, he's unfortunately he's coaching at Kansas and going to win three games a year for the next few years. So I don't know. I just got well, a, needs, uh, they, a text message a from a buddy involved. that said. Um, Cooper Manning could play the role of Lee Corso. <laughs> this might be blasphemous around here. His segments that he does for the, what is it, the Fox and NFL pregame shows, I think they are almost always terrible. Ooh, don't get yourself in trouble. I know. I, I mean, he's funny. Like, I, I, I you like should have just texted me that. I would have said it, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. <laughs> hey, just his Camaro one where he fake got a nose ring, that was kind of funny. But just... Not not the biggest fan of those segments. Uh, we mentioned scheduling news earlier. I'll throw this out as a uh, as a question. We've done this before. If it sounds lazy, forgive me. I just love this conversation, and I don't care how many times we have it. I love this conversation, and frankly, I want something else on the ceasefire text line right now. We got the announcement of Alabama-Ohio State as a marquee home-and-home series. Who do you want to see, if you're a Mississippi State fan, Mississippi State play a home-and-home with? If you're an Ole Miss fan, who do you want to see Ole Miss play a home-and-home with? My guess is one of those bucket or kind of bucket list you know teams that you would have selected is now checked off the list since Southern Cal is on the schedule for a home-and-home. Who else? We'll do some of that. We'll get into uh, some other college football news. We will peek at the um, the Major League Baseball most recent, kind of what they're talking about, and uh, a few other things. So, who um, who is it? Who's the team that you would like to see your team play in a home-and-home home series? That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Now. She was a black haired beauty with big dark hey, eyes mm. and points all her own sudden way up high. Chapman wants to see Ole Miss and Penn State play a home and home. Mike in Oxford says Oklahoma. Mississippi State and Oklahoma. That's from Tucker. You ever been to Norman? What's it like? Baseball game last year. It's uh, 
with all due respect intended, way better than Stillwater. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, where is it going? And I mean this with all due respect. That, I mean, it's kind of like bless her heart, right? Yeah. You can't just it say does. whatever you want after all due respect. That's not how it works. Yes, it does. Um, I, home I and play home. for keeps. <laughs> Richard has no idea. No, that's fine. What is that from? Talladega Nights. Mickey Bobby. Oh, I've seen that. Mississippi State, Michigan State. Ooh, that's Mississippi State. Uh, there should Penn be a land State. grant thing going there, yeah. Well, and then he follows it up with Ole Miss, Michigan. He said, "Make it a Mississippi, Michigan challenge week." Ooh, I like that idea yeah. too. Uh, the thing about these kind of road trips, I think, what do you think is more important, the program you're playing or the place you're going? Well, if it's the if it's the place you're going, you're going to vote for things like Miami, yeah, uh, Hawaii. Things like that. If it's the program, you know, you want to play Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, things like that. Well, even I've, apparently Ann Arbor's a really, really cool, nice college town. I've never been, but I, I've been told that. Uh, Wisconsin, the same thing. It's also a great program, but apparently Madison's just out of this world. Like, awesome college town. But if you want to do a home-and-home home with Penn State, don't don't go there. Like, as far if you're a fan, just stay home. Watch the game on TV. That's not... Oh, come on. That stadium. You got to... The stadium's yeah, cool. cool, but it's like an erector set. And Richard, I was 13 years old and got beers, full cans of beer thrown at me walking into the stadium. It's it's With not your even smart mouth. You're, you're a bit of a target, Borky. Yeah. Ed and Brookhaven wants to see Mississippi State and Alaska play each other, home and home. They Is play there, basketball, they don't team? they? Anchorage. Yeah, the Sea Wolves, I think, are what they are. Well, they got how fun team. that basketball tournament used to be. The uh, Great Alaska State- Shootout. State played in that one year. Did they? Did you go? Yeah, a long, long time ago. I think I think Richard Williams might have still been the coach. Home and home you'd like to see. Ole Miss and Southern Miss. <laughs> well played. Trey, the mailman yeah. from Greenwood, says Mississippi State and Michigan. Um, Here's one. Mississippi State fan here says, Service Academy. I feel like Davis Wade would welcome them big time. I think any stadium in the country would. But, yeah, those would be cool. And I would love to get a home and home because I've heard Annapolis is really cool and I've heard West Point is really cool. So That is something I'd yeah. like to see, a home and home with the Service Academy. Now, I, Army's always been the one that – well, I say always. Sent, uh, uh, my wife has somebody. a – I was going to say, somebody here, I swear I didn't text this in, but they said Mississippi State and UNLV. I mean, mm. don't twist in, my right? arm. New stadium? They're playing in, I don't, uh, in the Raiders don't stadium. even care about the stadium. Yeah, they're, they're using the Roomba. But it's not the uh, the high-end model. They're, they're covering, it's actually really cool the way they're going to cover up the stands. It's not just going to be tarps. Like They have some kind of system that's going to come down and make it look like those stands don't exist and give them a more intimate intimate environment, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say a second ago, I went to... Um, I had a great what, joke, hey, but I, I'm just not totally sure it's appropriate. Is it going to have to do with, with the uh, lofts? No, no, I was... I, was, I used the I word mean, intimate well, when talking about Las I, I Vegas. Was saying, like, and... Normally in Vegas, you got to pay extra for an intimate environment, but okay. <laughs> mm. I thought you were going to suggest that maybe they needed those over the... Over the lofts? <laughs> 
<laughs> Just sometimes. Uh, no, I was going to say a second ago, uh, so my wife's got a cousin who graduated from West Point a few years ago. We went up for his graduation, and it was in Mikey Stadium. And, man, you want to talk about a place that just oozes history. Just spectacular. And I, I've often said that would be a uh, pretty pretty fun road trip. Stay in New York. Some people yeah. want me to move there. <laughs> Check out some real estate while we're there. Uh, you're a Yankees fan. You fit right in. Yeah. Um... Tim and Enterprise says Ole Miss and Nebraska. Here's a vote for Ole Miss and Miami. Mississippi State and Hawaii. Oh, I mean. Uh, Josh wanted to see Mississippi State and Florida State. We're talking home and home, not neutral site. Yeah. Darren and Jackson, Ole Miss and Notre Dame, home and home. I, that's number one on the list for me. That's number one on the list. for. It's got to be for everybody, right? You, you want to go to South Bend. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever gone to South Bend the way Georgia went to South Bend a couple of years ago? They owned that place. I don't. I don't remember. You know, back in the, what was it, the early '90s when Tennessee went up there? I think they took some big crowds, but I don't know if it was like that. They were doing yeah. chants at Wrigley Field the day before the game. They took over Wrigley for some reason. Weren't the and the Braves were playing right? Wasn't oh, it Braves really? Cubs? Oh man, I think that's right. I, I don't know who the opponent was. I don't think, but they weren't there to see the Braves. No, they, they weren't. They were going to Wrigley regardless. What a bunch of Georgia fans, you know, probably Braves fans. Maybe the most red there's ever been in Wrigley on a Friday afternoon, and then certainly the most red that has ever been yeah, inside Notre Dame Stadium on a Saturday. It was. It was. What's remarkable. the uh, What's the biggest you've ever seen a Ole Miss crowd take over a visiting stadium? Um, Ole Miss at Auburn, nineteen ninety eight. Tuberville, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ninety. It was, was ninety eight, was it? Ninety nine. Ninety eight. Tuberville was no, still in, was still in Oxford. Yeah, yeah. and ninety nine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was a ton of red. And what, blue. I remember watching that on TV. And, and, and when Ole Miss broke out the tomahawk cha- uh, chop, Florida State style, mm-hmm. to. Mock the fact that like the first thing Tommy Tuberville did after getting to Auburn was have them cancel the series with Florida State. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that I remember was, that. Uh, yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good. Um. Yeah. I guess that's probably the biggest. Um. Probably so. Hmm. Almost took a huge crowd to Austin. Yeah. But that's well. I mean, Auburn's a big stadium too. I mean, I, my my guess would be there were between ten and fifteen thousand Ole Miss fans at that Texas game. But it's in a hundred and two thousand seat stadium. Yeah, hundred and five hundred. Yeah, hundred thousand. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Mike says Superdome against Tulane, thirty thousand plus. Yeah, but that doesn't. But really that's still Tulane's not bringing. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, 40,000 like, 40, yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that with states. I mean, last year, I think whatever the crowd was, it was a huge state crowd down in the Superdome. But biggest, like, biggest state crowd you've ever seen at a bowl game? Was it the Liberty Bowl against UCF? A bowl game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that place was packed. Yeah. 
So for for a road game, ninety seven at Alabama. That's back when Al- that stadium only held like seventy thousand, but there had to be at least fifteen twenty thousand Mississippi State fans there. That's where they had stated just beaten Auburn. They knew if they won out, they were going to win the West. They didn't win out, obviously. Uh, but and and Alabama was not good that year. So that was a there was a there was a lot of MSU in that in that stadium that day. I've seen some big old miss crowds at LSU. They've yeah. gotten smaller through the years because the ticket allotments have gotten smaller. I got a buddy yeah. that sent me a picture of the year uh, from 2000 when Nebraska played at Notre Dame. They had a pretty pretty impressive takeover of Notre Dame Stadium in uh, in that game as well. Um, b- biggest bowl game crowd that I've seen, and it's really not close. Is well, actually, Birmingham. I mean, the Sugar Bowl is the most impressive because of the stakes. Mm-hmm. But the Birmingham Bowl is the biggest bowl crowd Ole Miss has ever had. Yeah, that that's what it I mean, will be were, like this year. I think if Ole Miss goes to a bowl, wherever they go, you're going to send twenty five, thirty thousand people. If Corona, yeah, lets that, that was happen. like the, yeah, yeah, obviously. Gosh, Borky was, with the <laughs> negativity. Sorry, I know. God, what is wrong with me? The Sugar Bowl was by far the most fun. But the Birmingham Bowl was, I mean, it was it was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was like a lunchtime or a 1 o'clock kickoff. So a lot of people made that. I mean, there were 50,000, which is crazy. What is missed on everything involving that game is, is who Ole Miss played against. He was a non-factor, but still. Pittsburgh? The NFL's, arguably one of the NFL's best players, and Aaron Donald was in that game. Had like one tackle. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a timeout and be right back with you. Thursday afternoon, a couple of segments left with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Glad to have you along. Ceasefire text line open 601-879-4395. Don't forget you can get your day started at 6 with the Gallo Show, followed by the JT Show from 10 until 1. Good things with Rebecca Turner is from 2 until 3. And then we carry you up till 6 o'clock every evening. And also uh, in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar on Thursdays and Fridays from 1 to 2 on most of these stations. Podcast is available to you for Sports Talk Mississippi as well as Thunder and Lightning, the Rebel Report, and the Eagle Hour, wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple, Google, Spotify, or other places. So be sure to check that out. Here's kind of where we are on the baseball thing. A counteroffer from the Players Association and it was delivered today yeah. 70 games starting on July 19th and going through September 30th 50 million dollars in playoff bonuses a 50-50 split of new postseason TV revenues in 2021 i think new is probably the operative word there that released about what 100 and million total, so they're looking to split that. Is that revenue sharing? I mean, it kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? 
Kind of, kind of sounds like revenue sharing. I thought we weren't allowed to say revenue sharing if we were players. Um, forgiveness of salary advance for tier one, two, and three players. I'm assuming that's for the guys that are not making Mike Trout and Bryce Harper money. Yeah, you would think. Universal DH proposed by the players. You hate it? Hate it. They don't like Mutual. seeing their pitcher wasting out in a game. So I... No grieving for anyone. A mutual waiver of grievance. Owners can't file a grievance against players. Players can't file an owner against... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a grievance against the owners. There will be no grieving. Not even on Festivus? Which means we're all Tom Hanks right now. There's no crying in baseball. It's a true story. And the owners, by the way, did not receive this proposal well. John Heyman says one owner's response to the player's proposal today, dead on arrival. Uh, Guy from the LA Times. Are we doing this again? We're doing this again. Guy from the LA Times says source on owner's side asked whether today's proposal might move towards a resolution. Quote, it went backwards. Guy from uh, the New York Times says, hearing the same, mass exasperation today regarding yet another setback. Here's another one. Owners are not responding positively to players' counterproposal. Owners believe they had a meeting of the minds and the number was 60 games. This is a setback. Sounds awful. It's a set over 10 freaking games. 10 games. The owners, uh, so I used to think that it's everybody's fault. The owners don't want to play baseball. If that's the reaction to this proposal, they don't want to play. They'd prefer a season not get put on because they're so short-sighted they don't realize that if you take if you mitigate some of your law if you deal with some of your losses now it'll preserve the long-term health of your sport. They just don't realize that I guess even though they're apparently allegedly brilliant business people to get the money that they have. They don't want to play baseball. That is the only explanation for that kind of reaction to a very modest proposal from the players. This is, it's fair, right? What the players are asking for in this proposal is fair. It should be agreed upon, and they play. The owners don't want to play. It's the only explanation here. (sighs) I come to you for good news, and you give me bad news, Borky. I know. I, and I, I'm usually just He's a, the worst. I'm just a shining light of positivity and brightness around here. But it, that's just, it's embarrassing. If I was a baseball fan, I would be embarrassed. I, I don't know if I could support a team who's owned by such a, a word that I can't say on the radio. It, this is ridiculous. Dead on arrival? Here you go. Uh, statement from Tony Clark. MLBPA Executive Director. This was a couple of hours ago it was released. In my discussions with Rob in Arizona, we explored a potential pro rata framework, but I made clear repeatedly in that meeting and after it that there were a number of significant issues with what he proposed, in particular the number of games. It is unequivocally false to suggest that any tentative agreement or other agreement was reached in that meeting. In fact, in conversations within the last 24 hours, Rob invited a counter-proposal for more games 
that he would take back to the owners, we submitted that counter proposal today. And it's dead on arrival. So it is looking at my watch. I don't have uh, June 18th. So this will spill on into at least the middle of next week if the sides somehow find a way to come together. So training can't, or spring training, but it's not spring anymore, will start two weeks from now because they got to get the sites ready. And then three weeks of spring training in the summer, the season will begin, what, month and a half from now? Four, five, six weeks, maybe at the earliest, if they stop doing this charade, they're going to get absolutely buried, even if they do come back. Don't forget Premier League action this Saturday and Sunday. I'll be watching. I'll watch the the Heritage, at least. We've got that, but man, I, I, I would be embarrassed. Everybody involved should be embarrassed by this. The players might be. I don't think the uh, the owners are. They're too busy counting their 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 shekels. All right. Some quotes from Rob Manfred from uh, John Heyman. We're committed to doing whatever is necessary to play, hopefully by agreement. Amplifying that word from owners seems to be that the second choice, if they can't reach agreement, would be for the commissioner to implement the slightly shorter season, not to call it off. Manfred did tell Tony Clark in a phone conversation last night that he could make a counterproposal but made clear that 70 games was, quote, simply impossible, close quote, due to second-wave fears and health experts suggesting doubleheaders were inadvisable thanks to fear of players spending too much time together. Well, now that doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Not one darn lick of sense. Spending too much time together? You're either together or you're not. I mean, what's the difference in spending four hours at the ballpark and eight hours with the ballpark if it's with the same group of people? It's a great question. Well, you know, he didn't have it at lunchtime today, but by four o'clock, despite only being around the same people, he contracted the COVID. And now that he's got the COVID, we've all got the COVID. Uh, Meanwhile, the PGA Tour is uh, shipping its players from location to to location on a massive jumbo jet. By the way, second week in a row, zero positives. Consecutive weeks, zero positives. 141 players in the field last week, 156 players in the field this week. They did not stay in a bubble. They did have testing procedures. There was some personal responsibility in place. They did interact with caddies and other players and some media people that were there, and some tournament officials. Everybody got tested. But think about this. Hold on a second now. John Rahm didn't make the cut. But he then had to make a decision. Either John Rahm had to get on his private plane and go home, and then go from home to Hilton Head, South Carolina this week, or he had to just hang out in Fort Worth for two days and then get on the tour charter. I don't know which he did. But you mean to tell me that John Rahm played Thursday and Friday, wasn't positive, had some amount of free time over the next two days, showed up in Hilton Head on Tuesday, and when they tested everybody on Wednesday, my man still was negative, and we could play on. 
almost as with almost as if an adult man uh, took some responsibility upon himself to make sure that he didn't contract a virus and continues to do his professional job. Shocker, mm-hmm. I know. Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Baseball, am I right? Perpetually shooting themselves in the foot one news story at a time. I'm not sure you picked the right appendage. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit higher up, huh? Ah! Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.